0: Hello and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Marie Alboges, senior editor of Women in Retail, a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Today, I'm joined by Emma McIlroy, the CEO of Wildfang. We're talking with Emma about the reasons she founded the gender-fluid Apparel Company, Wild Thing's sustainability initiatives, and what entrepreneurial lessons she's learned building the business over the last decade. So Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. So I know we have a lot of ground to cover, and I want to talk about your leadership at Wild Thing. but first I want to hear how you got into retail in the first place, how you came from Northern Ireland to Oregon, <laughs> and especially your time at Nike, I know that was very influential for you.
1: Yeah, I'm born and bred in Belfast
0: in Northern Ireland.
1: Um, you can probably hear it in my accent. Uh, I went to university in England and then I headed actually into investment banking. So I did that for the first part of my career. Um, and I was not becoming a very nice person. Um, and so I wanted to get back to what I loved. Uh, and I didn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. So I looked around the bank and I find this. Um, this group of people who worked on uh, sport and sports sponsorship, uh, sponsorship of the premier league. And, you know, I'm sports obsessed. So that, that was uh, an area that I wanted to see if I could get into. I got into that team that led me to, I did a couple of years there and then that led me to Nike. Um, You know, and I would say the through line of my career, I did another six or seven years for Nike in the U.S. I would say the through line for me is, is consumer. Uh, I'm a brand marketer. So, you know, I know we're going to talk retail today, but, uh, the consumer is at the heart of everything for me. Uh, it starts and ends with the consumer. And, and really, my skill set is in understanding the consumer and building a strong emotional uh, connection with that consumer. And so that's what I've always loved to do. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter uh, what you're selling them. Um, it really just comes down to consumer obsession and consumer understanding for me. So yeah, I did that at Nike. And then I um, you know, had the perfect mix of Naivety and 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 arrogance to believe I could build my own brand, and so I left Nike to build Wildfang um, about ten years ago, and I've been doing that ever since.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I read that you are a big uh, sports fan and that you were a runner, probably still are a runner. I too was an 800 meter runner. So I, I feel you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so your love of sports must have really fueled uh, you at, at Nike being not only in Oregon, but being at the center of all of that. I mean, tell me a little bit more about what that was like.
1: Yeah, you know, sports, um, sports gives you whether it's individual or team, I played both, I played soccer and and field hockey at a pretty high level too. So I would say sports gives you some tools that are really helpful as an entrepreneur. Um, Number one being resilience, Um, you know, the ability to finish that last rep and get back up and and somehow get back on the track again, even though you're not sure how, Um, you know, so I'd say that resilience has been unbelievably useful to me in, in, The career choice I've made. Um, I would say uh, the other thing is just hard work, you know, just unbelievable hard work to to improve yourself and to get better at something. And pretty much every day I learn something new in this job um, and I'm forced to improve and forced to evolve. So, you know, I'm grateful for what sport did for me Um, in terms of Nike. You know, I'm obviously wildly biased, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the best sports brand in the world um and you know potentially the best brand in the world full stop for me so uh, i would say there's a lot that's different from what i do now um you know i run a company that's under 50 million and nike's a company that's over 50 billion so you know i'd say there's a lot that's different between those two um spaces and arenas but what i would say is similar is um nike taught me to to be completely consumer obsessed that's why that's why i learned my consumer obsession that's where i learned um, to really mine consumer insights and get close to a consumer and form a strong emotional connection with a consumer to influence how they think, how they believe, how they behave. Um, I I do think Nike's the best in the world at that. So I'm really grateful for my time there, and I'm really grateful for what I learned there.
0: Yeah, that's great. So tell me about how your consumer obsession led to Wild Thing. Like, what was the the problem there that you were trying to solve?
1: Yeah, so it all started uh, one day. I was in the in an Urban Outfitters in Portland, and I was looking for a really great graphic tee, something kind of bold and edgy, and and, and that made a statement. And uh, my my best friend was looking for a blazer, a really great blazer, and we wandered through the women's section. It was pretty depressing, um, and uh, you know nothing was well made. The blazers kind of had fake pockets and fake buttons and poor tailoring. Um, and then all the all the t-shirts were pretty weak and pretty soft, you know, which which is fine. I think that can be part of an assortment. But um, yeah, I was just missing missing a backbone, missing an attitude. And then we wandered into the men's department, and suddenly that was where all the great blazers were and all the great graphic tees were. And so, from my perspective, that was just a really interesting um, revelation um, as to why we would restrict a great silhouette based on gender. Um, that that didn't make sense to me you know I understood why fit might be different or size might be different but it, it felt very strange that we would restrict uh, an entire group of humans from a great silhouette and so you know that was where wild was born and, and we did over a year's worth of consumer insight work we did it in our nights and weekends because you know as you've established we, we had a full-time job at Nike so uh, we did it in nights and weekends and what we discovered was know a lot of a lot of women like us were missing something from the retail space um they didn't feel like they had a home in retail they felt like there were a lot of places selling things to them and 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 pushing things at them and a lot of people who had big assortments and heavy discounts but they didn't really feel like there was anyone who who got them um and, and and a place that they could call home and so when we created Wildfang, that's what we wanted to solve for, you know, with that consumer insight work, we wanted to offer up the silhouettes that they felt they were missing. These, you know, more men's were inspired units and styles. And then we wanted to do it in an attitude that, you know, connected with them and they felt inspired by. Um, And we felt like if we could combine those two propositions, we would give them their new retail home. And I think, you know, for a large, several hundred thousand uh, humans on this planet, I think that we've done that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you say that you, you neither like shopping nor you do you like fashion. And it was really about this drive for, for self-expression for you. Can you talk a little bit more about how that kind of fueled your first couple of years as you're w- working to, to build the brand?
1: Yeah. I'm not particularly fashionable. You know, I, I can, I can, uh, I can pull myself off as fashionable because of the tips and tricks that I've learned, but I'm not a big fashionista, um, and and I never claimed to be. And I've always found it particularly exclusive. place, you know, an exclusive club. It's a little bit like, um, you know, high end wine or, or high end art. You know, always felt slightly exclusive, and 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 that felt weird and wrong because every single one of us puts stuff on our body every day, and. And I think each of us has the permission to feel proud of who we are through how we express ourselves. I think, I think that's a, honestly a pretty core and basic human right um, is to be proud of how you show up in the world. And so, uh, yeah, we wanted to kind of break down all that exclusivity. We wanted to mess with all those rules and say, show up exactly how you want to show up, you know. Um, and that can change. That can change from morning to night. That can change from day to day. That can change from year to year, you know, where you're at in your own personal growth but at wild we say that we love to celebrate your masculine your feminine and everything in between and and that's true um whatever box society has created for you or your family has created for you or you know your workplace has created for you we we like to smash that box and uh give you the tools to show up anywhere you want on the gender expression spectrum
0: yeah well and how does that work when it comes to production and textiles I mean you're right there there are these boxes that clothes fit in typically with the smaller pockets and the buttons and all of that so what were there challenges to kind of saying you know to hell with these these clothes that have to fit in a certain gender box um and and how was that received
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we obsess. So if, if you spend any time in fast fashion, one of the reasons why it's so fast is, is very rarely does fast fashion fit on anyone. They don't do any uh, fit testing. Um, At Wildfang, we have between three and four rounds of fit testing on every single garment that goes on the website. Um, And so what we do with that is we fit it on a wide range of body types, uh, what we call fit models. Um, So bodies that have been determined to be uh, you know, representative of a wide spread of the population. But then, what we do in our final fit testing is we put it on inverted commas real people, right? Uh, people off the off the street, uh, anyone in our networks. We we invite to come in and try it on just to see how outside of those fit models it fits. And we we do that on a wide range of gender identities, uh, and we do that on on a wide range of sizes. Um, you know, I'm I'm delighted to say our sizing goes from um, uh, a, a double XS up to a four X knot. Um, and so, yeah, that that fit testing is, is critical. When, when we talk about the product creation process, um, so much of it is about um, that, that fit uh, process. And then also styling, you know, um, not every single silhouette looks great on every single body type. Um, and so it's about working with stylists and, and models Define what what looks great on different body types, but not to be restricted by those norms that that have been handed down to us by by prior generations. You know, there's absolutely no reason um, that someone who identifies as a man should wear a dress, right? And in fact, in the last 18 months, I would say two of the biggest fashion moments were, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson wearing a skirt to uh, the Dior runway, and then and then uh, Brad Pitt wearing a skirt to Bullet Train premiere, right? And so. There's there's no reason why those things should should not be okay. Now, does every single person look and feel great in a skirt? No, and and that's where the fit comes in. That's where the styling comes in um, to make sure people feel comfortable uh, and empowered. But uh, there's certainly no reason from a, a gender perspective um, that, that that can't be true.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like you said, these, you're breaking these norms, right? The norms of gender, the norms of fit, the norms of how you're producing these items. And another norm that I think uh, you're breaking, or at least have been in the last couple of years, is the the sustainability initiatives that Wildfang has had. I mean, you guys, as of what August 2022, became climate neutral certified. So, walk us through a little bit about why why that's important and what you had to do to get there.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I really appreciate you bringing it up because I'm so so proud of the fact that we are climate neutral. Actually, to be perfectly honest with you, one of the reasons that we're climate neutral is because we're not sustainability experts. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to say on the podcast, um, because I'm sure there's a ton of sustainability experts listening to this. Um, When we, you know, when you work in our industry, uh, the best thing to do for the planet, if you care about the planet and we care deeply about the planet, the best thing to do is stop doing business. That is, uh, that's your number one choice. And then if you choose to continue to keep doing business, um, climate neutral is kind of your second best bet, and so what what you're really saying there is, we actually don't know how. Um, we're we're not the number one player in the world when it comes to making sustainable garments, but what we what we do want to do is offset our impact. And so what we do is we work with the climate neutral organization to calculate our impact, and that takes months. That takes a long time to figure out our shipping, our manufacturing our office electricity, like all the different parts of our organization, how much impact uh, do do we create? Uh, How much negative impact do we create from a carbon perspective? We calculate that. And then we do two things. One is we work with climate neutral to create a plan to reduce that. So it's not just as simple as kind of writing a check for some credits. We actually have to produce a three-year plan that says, here's how we will reduce our, our climate uh, our carbon impact on the planet every year so that's step one and then step two is we work with a specialist to buy uh carbon credits to offset our impact so that our business becomes climate neutral and so you know for a small organization i think sometimes people think well thanks bigger okay. bigger than it is you know there's only uh 20 something uh people in our team that's a big undertaking uh to do all those calculations and and to do all the offsetting, but I, I think for me, it's, it's kind of minimum viable um, for dealing with, with this consumer group. Um, and, and frankly, for being able to go to bed and sleep at night if you're in the fashion industry. I think uh, we do create such a massive problem. I think you see in the Atacama Desert and other places, you see the, the output of fast fashion and, and what we're doing to the planet. And so, yeah, for me, it's minimum viable, but I am deeply proud of that work Um, as part of our overall CSR strategy.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this. It sounds like a lot of what what drives you and what drives the company is your passion for things like self-expression and uh, thwarting gender norms and getting that climate neutral certification. When you're, and you mentioned that your team is 20 something people, when you're looking for your next hire, or when you're looking for your next promotion, I imagine that you're looking for people who have that same drive, that same passion. How are you kind of filtering out when you're when you're interviewing or when you're deciding on a promotion? How are you really looking at your employees to see if they they do have that same drive and that same passion?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that makes you really successful at Wildfang is um, having a chip on your shoulder. Uh, it actually tends to be one of the things that we interview for um, because most of us at some point were told we couldn't. We were told we couldn't be a mom. We were told we couldn't be a CEO. We were told, you know, we couldn't, we we wouldn't make, we wouldn't make the varsity team, you know, and, and people who tend to do really well in our organization are people who've uh, been told they couldn't or been told no, and they've overcome that in some way. So, that is a little bit of a sneaky behind the scenes in terms of one of the things that we look for um, is people who have a chip on your sh- their shoulder and have something to prove um, because that is a, a force to be reckoned with um, someone who is is on a mission to prove themselves. Uh, in terms of internally, you know, and, and promotions and stuff like that, um, Touchwood I'm, I'm deeply proud of the culture that we have at Wildfang and the team that we have at Wildfine. Um, And it's an incredibly committed group of individuals. Um, And and we do have both great diversity internally and great retention. Um, I would say that one thing I'm deeply passionate about is uh, being people centric. And what I mean by that is not brand centric. Um, There will come a time when you shouldn't work at Wildfang anymore. um, And that's okay. And that's okay. And I talk, talk openly to my employees about what that time is for them because life is long and the world's a big place. And if I can help them find a job somewhere else that, Um, allows them to hit their next stage of growth that's great that's great for everybody Um, because uh, who knows maybe they come back in two jobs time into a senior leadership position with us or in the meantime maybe they just go and tell everybody in their new job how much they loved their last job and how great their boss was because they helped them get this new job right and so for me um, my goal is not to keep you at Wildfang forever and ever and ever my goal is to keep you at Wildfang while you're really happy and while I can continue to offer you growth and an opportunity. And when when one of those two things breaks down, it's right that you go somewhere else. And and I will absolutely help you do that. Um, and that that tends to be how I lead and how my team lead. So um yeah, I, I think if, if it's right for people to get promotion and stay and we can still offer them the growth that they need, great. And if it's not, then we will do everything we can to find them that growth uh, at one of our our friends or in our broader network.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so refreshing. I mean, you know, we, we talk all the time about how businesses and companies are always saying that your, your job is like your family, the company is your family, but you know, they aren't the same thing. A family can't fire you at will like a, a company can. So having a leader that is transparent about, you know, this isn't, this isn't personal either way. And here I am as a leader telling you that I completely understand that, this job is not your entire life and that there will be other jobs in the future it's probably something that your the people reporting to you are seeing and then mirroring themselves to to their reports um so I'm really glad to hear you say that
1: yeah I mean I think um I, I I continue to find myself surprised by people who leave our company and and I will tell you if you survive in startup you usually go on to even bigger and better things somewhere else so while fang is usually a stepping stone rather than an ending for you. Um, And so that both gives me joy. And it also, frankly, you know, opens up, opens up future opportunities for, for our business. If you go on to a big job, uh, an agency or a big job, uh, um, another company, you know, that may spur a partnership or an improved service rate. Right. But um, yeah, you, you can't keep anyone anywhere that they don't want to be, you know, uh, certainly not for very long. So uh, we do try to be people-centric in the way that we come at that.
0: Yeah, and speaking of, do you do you still consider Wildfang a startup? Like, at what point does it switch in your brain?
1: Uh, you know, startup for me is not about it's not about time. It's not about how long you do it. You know, we're we're ten years in. However, I will say, COVID kind of ripped two years away from us in terms of our our plans. But you know, for me, startup equals uh, rate of growth. We do have a high rate of growth um it equals um instability i'm gonna call it which is maybe a negative word but just pace of change um level of change in the business model level of change in the team level of changing in process and operations you know and i think uh we're still in the stage where there's a pretty high rate of change um so those, those are kind of the two for me that say you know we're, we're not yet over the startup phase it's less about the amount of time and it's more about the stability within the business and then the rate of growth expected from the business mm-hmm.
0: any major initiatives uh that you're excited about that are either current or upcoming at wildfang
1: well last week um the wildfang team broke the guinness world record for the longest ever drag show um and raised uh three hundred and six thousand dollars for the trevor project so i'm That's unbelievably amazing. proud of that yeah i don't know how many many don't know how many retail brands out there have a, a Guinness World Record, but that was in response <laughs> when, when we saw just, you know, uh, since since January, between January and the end of April, there were 400 pieces of LGBTQ legislation introduced across the US. And, and I think the trend has continued both uh, at a local and national level and at a Supreme Court level. And so we felt it particularly important to... Um, to make our views clear but also to find a way to bring the community together mm-hmm. uh in a moment of unity and celebration and so we did that last week uh, which is why i signed like i do right now mm-hmm. and why we are all absolutely exhausted but yeah we we produced a 48-hour continuous non-stop drag show we had over 60 queens over 60 mcs included cheryl Strait and fred armison and portugal the man and stacy london and just tons of other amazing folks involved, um, and yeah, we raised uh, three hundred six thousand dollars for the Trevor Project, which will which will go into the amazing work that they do for queer youth. So, pretty proud of that, um, and, and hope that hope that the you know the ripple effects of of that continue to spread positivity throughout our community. And then, um, you know, we have our uh, fall campaign coming up that launches in early August. We'll be launching a, three new silhouettes of button ups, which we believe are pretty uh, innovative in the industry. Um, I can't tell you too much about them, but there's three new styles. Button ups are our biggest franchise; it's a huge part of our revenue, and we have three entirely new styles that we're launching. And we are also launching them with um, a familiar face um, in our in our new campaign. So that'll be a lot of fun, and that comes out Either. in yeah, that comes out <laughs> in two weeks. Um, and someone I've wanted to work with for a little while. She is. Um, a, fem- a, a phenomenal comedian um, and very, uh, very much a rising star in comedy. So, pretty excited to work with her. And then um, this week, actually, tomorrow, uh, we launch um, on July 18th, we launch our uh, collaboration with Together. Together is a sports media company um, founded by uh, Chloe Kim and Alex Morgan, Sue Bird. Um, and so, uh, we have a uh football jersey that we are launching together which we're really excited about we think it's the perfect intersection between sport and fashion and we think this summer is a great time to be wearing that silhouette so um yeah you're going to see a lot of fun stuff over the next two to four weeks um around that jersey so yeah some fun partnerships some dope events um and then a new campaign with some amazing new styles
0: yeah. You know, I was going to say back to the drag show. I mean, this is a perfect example of a brand that's that's not just, you know, putting a rainbow flag on their social media and putting out a tagline for pride month. Like this is you and the brand actually um, living out the values and including your audience and your, your shoppers and your consumers in that. So uh, I'm really glad that you you mentioned that and we'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I think we're coming into a truly fascinating time um, as retail leaders. Uh, I don't. I think it's been a long time since we've been faced with anything like this, um, where you know there's a clear commercial opportunity to be made. And I think uh, I think folks have focused on that for a while um, with the LGBTQ community and with Pride. Um, but you know, we're seeing a, an immense fracture um and a lot of divisiveness and and that is affecting bottom line and that is affecting um profits um and so it's going to be really interesting to see how public companies and and larger companies react to that um from my perspective I'm really clear on where where we stand and we'll always stand for uh the queer community and for a more inclusive world and a more diverse world but I do think given what's happened with some of the the big players in the last few months I think it's going to be really really interesting to see how that plays out
0: yeah and it's so good to know that like that's you you are steadfast in that your values are these and they will never change so I think that is a great place to end I have a million more questions but I know we're out of time Uh, I'm really excited to see some of the initiatives that you mentioned uh this year and next for wild thing uh and I really enjoyed our conversation Emma thank you so much yeah thanks for having me Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com slash apply. Thanks, and until next time, This has been Women in Retail Talks.